welcome to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. Excited to preach. I'm always excited to preach. And if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask that you turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 28. 1 Samuel chapter 28. We're going to read a little bit. I read out of the English Standard Version. Um, if you wanted to follow along with that version, just for uniformity. 1 Samuel 28, 5 through 15, and it says this. Saul took one look at the Philistine army and started shaking with fear. So he asked the Lord what to do, but the Lord would not respond, either in a dream or by a priest or by a prophet. Then Saul told his officers, find me a woman who can talk to the spirits of the dead, and I'll go to her and find out what's going to happen. And his servants told him, there's this woman at Endor who can talk to spirits of the dead. So that night, Saul put on a different clothing so nobody would recognize him. Then he and two of his men went to the woman and asked, will you bring up the ghost of someone for us? The woman said, why are you trying to trick me and get me killed? You know that King Saul has gotten rid of everyone who talks to the spirits of the dead. And Saul replied, I swear by the living Lord that nothing will happen to you because of this. Who do you want to bring up? She asked, bring up the ghost of Samuel, he answered. When the woman saw Samuel, she screamed. Then she turned to Saul and said, you tricked me. You are the king. Don't be afraid, Saul replied. Just tell me what you see. She answered, I see a spirit rising up out of the ground. What does it look like? It looks like an old man wearing a robe. Saul knew that it was Samuel, so he bowed down low. Why are you bothering me by bringing me up like this, Samuel asked. I am terribly worried, Saul answered. The Philistines are about to attack me. God has turned his back on me and won't answer anymore by the prophets or by dreams. What should I do? Amen. Have you ever asked God that this morning? What should I do? What should I do, God? I've entitled today's message Desperate. And I apologize because I I think that was actually not the ESV. (laughs) Um, I don't know what version that was, but it didn't sound like the English Standard Version. But... I've entitled my message today, Desperate, um, you know, because I think that we've all made decisions out of desperation before, right? And sometimes, <clears throat> sometimes desperation kind of serves uh, kind of like a drug in the, fa- in the way that it, it clouds your, your judgment. And so you, you do things that you wouldn't normally do um, when you're desperate for something. You, you ask for help where you wouldn't normally ask for it. Right? Maybe you're not the one to ever ask for money. But when you're desperate enough, you just might do it. So desperation, it's not a sin. It's just our response to it that can be sinful. That's what I want to talk about this morning. You're going to experience seasons of desperation. Amen? Maybe you don't want to say amen to that, but it's going to happen. You will experience seasons of desperation. That's okay. It's okay to be desperate. There's nothing wrong with it. But what you do in that desperation will determine the outcome of your future. And many times, if, if the decision isn't wise enough, it can take you off course to what God has planned for your life. So maybe you're desperate for some cash. Maybe you're in a financial crisis and you got bills to pay. You got a family to feed. So you apply for one of those payday loans. I was listening to a podcast the other day that said that the average payday loan carries an, uh, an annual APR of 400%. But you're desperate, so, so maybe you do it. 
I've also heard of, of stories of, of young girls who are desperate for attention. No one pays attention to them at home. They, they feel unloved. They feel unappreciated. They feel unworthy. So they find someone who will give them the attention that they're looking for in exchange for a bad decision. People prey on the desperate church. And so does the enemy. The devil preys on the desperate. The devil is watching. The enemy watches you in your desperate moments to see if you're going to take the bait. Because if you do, he knows that he can be successful and, and throwing you off track to where God has originally planned for you to be. My message for someone this morning is that if you're desperate, don't be unwise. Desperate and, and stupid don't have to go together. It doesn't have to. So the Bible says that, that Saul took one look at the Philistines and he began to shake with fear. Fear. I want to talk about fear for a second because fear, when it has its way in our lives, is the ultimate crippler to calling. It'll make you abandon your post. It'll make you run away from your destiny. It'll make you hide from God because you know what God wants and you're too afraid and ashamed to to respond. Fear makes you desperate for a solution to that fear. And I was so proud of these kids, man, at at Fine Arts. Every single one of them that got up and, and, and they did something. They performed. Uh, Fine Arts National, just to kind of paint a picture for you, it's about 12,000 kids that come together from all over the nation. They, they come together with different categories. They enter uh, this, this big room, and they, they take a stage in front of three evaluators. So it's like they're being judged. And I don't know about you, but I hate the feeling of like, like, like that I'm being tested, like someone's judging me. I have to, do it all, I have to get used to it as a pastor. But I, I don't like you know that feeling of just... Judgment, judgment. And so they got up on stage, and every single one of them was, were terrified. I mean, I saw it all over their faces, and, um, you know, it probably would have been easier for them to just say, you know what, in that nervousness, I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not going to do this because it, it's, it, it's terrifying. It, it would have been easier for them to not give in to what God has called them to do. So I remember giving every single one of them a pep talk because I've been there before. I remember going to the boys right before their their skit. I was like, "You guys okay?" And I remember I remember Noah, man. Noah was like shaking. He was like, you know, he was like this. But he was like, "I'm, I'm good, pastor. I'm ready to go." And I was like, "I like that. I like that." You know. And uh, I gave I, I gave all of them a pep talk. I, I, I did give I, I did give Julie a little pep talk, you know, um, because she was about to not do it. And I remember telling her. Don't let fear get the best of you because right now fear is crippling you. Right now fear wants to win and so many times we allow it to win. So many times we say, you know, what? I'm not going to go through with it. But I told her and I, I told every single one of them, you've been preparing for this. This is the moment that God has you in right now. You know, it's just going to be five minutes. It's going to be over. And every single one of it did, did uh, so, so well. I was so, so proud of them. But that's what fear does. Fear has a lot of leverage when we become so desperate to see it go away, right? So Saul is trembling with fear as he prepares for this attack. And the Bible says that he goes to the Lord, but the Lord does not respond. He goes to prayer, but God doesn't answer. So his instincts are right, right? He, he goes to the source before going to anyone else, before going to Google, but before going to his friends, he goes to God, but God doesn't respond. I don't need to even ask you if you've ever been in Saul's shoes before. I know you have. 
I know there's been times where you've talked to God, you've, you've cried, you've, you've given everything that you had, you just laid it all out there, and God didn't talk back. Maybe he didn't respond to you immediately. Maybe he never responded. There are times, church, that God is not going to respond. There are seasons of silence. There are seasons of silence. If we look between the Old Testament and the New Testament, God didn't speak for 400 years. 400 years. Not through the prophets, not through divine revelation. God was completely silent. And sometimes God chooses to be silent in your desperation. And that's frustrating. It's frustrating. Something happens in your life and you go to the source. Your instincts are right. Your spirit tells you, hey, get on your knees, seek wisdom, seek divine direction. But the Lord is silent and it's tempting to let that desperation take you to an unwise source. It's tempting to appeal God's silence. Well, if you're not going to talk to me, I'm going to get it somewhere. I'm going to get an answer from somebody. I'm going to get some direction from someone. It's tempting if you're desperate. But what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about prayer? There's, there, there's three things. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians, first, to pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. That means you're always praying. So if God is silent, keep on praying. Keep on seeking. Sometimes you've got to bug God. Sometimes you've got to be annoying. Sometimes, like, in the middle of the night, you've got to talk to God. Sometimes... On, the, on your way to work, you got to talk to God. Sometimes when you're in the shower, you got to talk to God. Sometimes, I mean, every time, like you have to talk, you have to bug God sometimes when he's being uh, silent in your life. I, I, I think about the, the, the woman in her desperation for a healing for her daughter, went to Jesus, bugged Jesus. Jesus first ignored her. He was silent. And then he turned her away. And then he insulted her. And, and, and what did she do? She kept going. She kept on asking. Pray without ceasing. The other thing, the Bible tells us that the prayers of the who? Righteous are powerful and effective. So sometimes you just have to do a self-evaluation. You have to evaluate yourself, evaluate your relationship with God. Not just that, but your relationship with other people. How is that? Is, is, there, is there an issue between you and and a brother or a sister, because we know what the scripture says. That, hey, if, you, if you're coming to me, but you got an issue with your brother or sister, you got to, you know, go check, check yourself first. Like John Chris says, check your heart. And the last thing, Jesus says to seek first the kingdom of heaven and the will of God in every prayer. So you consider those three factors before giving up on God, church, before giving up on your prayer life. Saul is 0 for 3. He's 0 for 3. And I hope that in your desperation, you will follow the biblical mandates to pray without end, to, to pray in righteousness, and to pray uh, to, to, for the will of God to happen over your life in the place of your own selfish desires. Because if you don't, and you let your guard down, you might fall, fall prey to the enemy when he sees your desperation. And just like Saul, you might end up turning away from God completely. Now, I know that Saul, Saul was a... He was kind of an exception of a man, right? He was, maybe you're saying, well, Pastor Ryan, I'm not Saul. Saul was evil. And he was, Saul, I mean, he was, he was disobedient. He was filled with hatred. He was filled with jealousy so much so that when God began to elevate David, Saul grew bitter instead of better because 
David was gaining favor at Saul's expense. So instead of Saul getting better, he got bitter. Is that what you do? Is that what you do, church? When someone comes in and, and they're better at, at, at what you thought was your territory, do you get bitter? Man, this, man, this is such a good message. It's such a good message on leadership that God has really been working uh, on for me. I, I want to go into it just a little bit because we got, we got leaders, and I, I, you know, I want to talk to my leaders. If you are a leader, y'all listening, right? Even if you're not a leader, listen, because you're going to be a leader one day. If you are a leader who gets upset when another leader or another person does your job better than you do, and you start to grow jealous and mad and frustrated, and instead of making yourself better, you get bitter, leadership isn't for you. If you can't take that, if you can't take someone doing your job a little bit better, leadership isn't for you. If you have a hard time when others have a better idea than you do, or when others kind of take the spotlight Or when someone sings better than you, but for such a long time, you were like it. You were like, I I am the the singer of Primera Iglesia. This is my stage. This is my microphone. No one comes in. No one's going to do better. Are you that person who kind of like gets hurt when someone else does a little bit better than you are? Leadership requires humility, humility, church. If you can't rejoice when God elevates someone, even if that means to your position, you don't have a kingdom mentality. You have a you mentality. I pray, believe me, I pray that the next pastor to, to, to replace me, I hope he's better than me. I hope he preaches better. Don't say, don't say amen. It's okay for me to say it, okay? <laughs> I, hope he, I hope he preaches better. I, I hope he does things that, that, that I wasn't able to do. I, I hope that he brings more people into the church than, than people who, who might leave because no one likes it when you get a new pastor, so some people leave. I, I hope that the next pastor is better. I will rejoice when God puts that person in place. But not people like Saul. Saul got mad. Saul got upset. Saul got bitter. He got jealous. He got hateful. Because Saul messed up, right? He disobeyed God. And instead of correcting his wrong, instead of repenting, instead of supporting God's decision to drive him out and and to bring in someone else, Saul got ugly. He got desperate for revenge. So maybe becoming like Saul isn't so unlikely after all. Because being desperate often calls us to decisions that are just so far out of what God would ever have us choose. By the time we get to chapter 28 of 1 Samuel, what we just read, Saul's prayer for divine revelation, it's not really for the people of God, it's for himself. He didn't go to God asking for repentance. He didn't go to God to admit his wrong. He just wanted to look into the future because he sees an army that's coming and he's about to be attacked and he's about to lose his position and his life. That's the you mentality. Hope I'm preaching to someone this morning. Church, and look, I understand the feeling of being desperate. I don't want to downplay that, you know. There's nothing, there's nothing selfish about wanting out of a situation. 
of a hopeless and desperate situation. I don't want to make light of that this morning. I don't want to just say, look, keep on praying. You're going to get your prayers answered because God doesn't always answer prayers. That's the truth. I don't want to say that you have to be perfect in order for God to have favor on you. And then you're going to have your prayers answered because 100% of the time that's not going to happen either. I know it's a churchy thing to say, but it doesn't always happen. Sometimes God will be silent. Sometimes you will be desperate and not even, not the pastor, not the counselor, not the Christian leaders will have the answer and God won't be shedding any light on your situation. That's just the truth. And it's, it's hard to take, but it's the truth. Desperate times happen. Hopeless situations happen. They're not forever, but they often feel like forever when we're in them. But if we always had every answer to every situation in our life, what role would faith play in the believer's life, right? Like if we had everything given to us, every answer, if we knew it ahead of time, what role would faith play? It'd be useless. So I I don't want to pretend like, you know, desperation is easy to manage because it's not. I want to be sensitive to, to your desperate situation this morning, but I also want to call you away from the temptation to go to another source that will potentially push you off track. Because in Saul's desperation for an answer, he goes to a, he goes to a, a necromancer. He goes to a, a, a medium. In our day, you know, we call them fortune tellers or palm readers or weirdos, depending on who you ask, right? <laughs> it's, it's interesting, though, that he goes through an unlikely source to request information from a credible source. Have you ever realized that? Like he's going to a witch... He's going to someone evil doing wicked things to ask her to bring up a man of God. Interesting. So he's bypassing God while still trying to get a little bit of God in there. Right? See, a lot of times in our desperation, we're so thirsty for an answer that we equate godly things with God's voice. They're not the same thing. They're not the same. Godly things does not always equate godly God's voice for your life. And, and, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that go see a necromancer that's ever godly. It's not. But, but Saul was so messed up, he didn't even know the difference. You know, a long time ago, I remember here at our church, we had a guest speaker come. And he, he preached the whole message. And at the end of, of the message, he asked us to stand. And he was about to do an altar call. And, uh, you know, this was a time when our youth group had just gotten back from youth convention. And, um, you know, youth convention, I don't know if you've ever been, but youth convention is is supposed to be uh, this incredible, you know, weekend where you experience God. You get closer to God a lot like what happened, you know, at at nationals. Um, And so that's what youth convention is supposed to be. You're supposed to come back like on fire for God, ready to do great things for your church, serve your church. And, And so many years before that. That's how it always went down. But this year, I was involved with a little girl friend. And I was 14, and uh, this was our first youth trip together. And we're so excited, you know. Like, I was, we were like, we're going to sit in the van together, you know, three-hour trip to, I think it was in Dallas. And we were just kind of psyching each other out, you know, I was, I was saying, I'm so, so excited to worship with you, you know, and 
we're going to pray together at the altar. We're going to hold hands and be like, you know, I can't, I can't wait. Right. And, 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 and we did, we, we went and we went to the front, like with all the other kids and everyone was jumping. And I thought like, wow, look at this godly power couple right here. We're just like, we're the couple to be right. We're going to go back to church and everyone's like, they're going to see us as like the it couple and they're on fire for God. And, and I mean, we went through the motions. That was it. I, I remember coming back literally feeling like I didn't receive anything. It was a Sunday morning. I felt empty. And, and, and my youth pastor at the time, you know, uh, nothing got past him. He, he pulled me to the side right, right after convention. He said, Ryan, you don't need to have a girlfriend right now if it's going to distract you from what God is trying to do in your life. And in my head, I was like, what do you know? You know, you're, you're just a youth pastor. You're not even a real pastor, right? No offense. No offense to youth pastors. Youth pastors are real pastors, okay? It was just, I, you know, 14-year-old, that's what I thought, you know? <laughs> but I knew, I knew he was right. I knew he was right. And I, w- I, remember, I remember sitting right there in the third row, standing up. I was battling I was battling this. I remember standing right there. You know, I I didn't want to break up with my girlfriend. I really liked her. I really liked her. So I was battling this. And I was like, God, I don't don't know what to do. And and, and to top it off, if I did end up breaking up with her, I would literally have to use the excuse that I think God wants us to break up. And you don't do that. Boys, don't do that. Even if it's true, you're going to look like a jerk. She's going to leave the church. But I was battling this right there. And I was like, God, I, I, don't, I don't know what, what do you want me to do. And, and um, you know, I, I was there and the pastor or the preacher, right, right before he calls us up, he says, uh, I have a word for someone this morning. I have a word. God is speaking to me right now. And he just says, he says two words. He says, keep going. God, I don't know who this is. I don't know who needs to hear this right now. But God is saying, keep going. Keep going. Persevere. 14-year-old Ryan's like, amen, I received that. I re- that. That's for me. That's for me. It's not for the person who really needs to keep going, who's about to give up. Now, he's talking about my relationship with my girlfriend. <laughs> that's what I thought. I convinced myself that, hey, God is speaking to me because I was so desperate for, for an answer and an answer that I wanted to hear. But just, become, just because it comes from a godly source, it doesn't mean that God is talking to you. And we have to be able to discern that. Saul, he needs an answer so bad, so he goes to this evil person doing wicked things, and then he says, bring up the man of God so that I can speak to him. And we keep on reading, and we see that the, you know, the woman brings up the spirit, and the details here are, are not always agreed upon um, by, by, by Bible scholars, but that's kind of beyond the scope of this message. The message today is, is simple. Are you running to other sources because you're tired of waiting on God? Are you? Are you so desperate that you're willing to compromise your spirit and, and your calling and your destiny because you need an answer right now? Maybe you are desperate this morning. I don't, I, I talk to a lot of you, but a, a lot of it, a, a lot of, a lot of us don't like to really share what's hiding. A lot of us don't like to share the darkness that we're going through. And I've got to believe that someone is desperate for something 
this morning and maybe you've been praying and you've been faithful and you know your priority is always to go to God and it's always to do the will of God but there's an issue that that needs saving right now what do you do and most of the times God is not going to give you a play-by-play that would be nice right it would be nice God what's my next step God where do I go to next God tell me what to say God tell me what to do But that's not always how it works. So what's the solution? And I'm getting there. Sometimes the only thing left to do, church, in your desperate moment, is to do what King Solomon did right before he took over his father's throne. What did he do? What did he he ask for? God said, ask for anything. And what did he ask for? Wisdom. Do you pray for wisdom? Or do you just pray for answers? Sometimes the answers to our problems lie in the wisdom that God has graciously extended to all those who simply ask. Do you realize that that God created you a rational, thinking, reasoning person? Sometimes we we give ourselves a lot less credit than, than we should because we are God's creation. We are God's favored creation. God created us pretty, I mean, it's, it's pretty intelligent. It's pretty awesome. I mean, you think Elon Musk is doing some cool things right now. Look at what God did through us, with us. He gave us this, this mind to reason. And sometimes we're just so lazy because we're like, God, you do it. Fix it. And God's like, hey, use that brain of yours. God's like, hey, I've given you answers. You know how to be a good person. You, you have moral boundaries. You, you have uh, godly characteristics. Use all of what you know about me and apply it to yourself and to your situation. So maybe you don't have wisdom this morning. Ask for it. Pray for it. When you're desperate and God hasn't given you an answer, he hasn't given you the, the keys, he hasn't given you the solution, ask for wisdom. Saul could have used some wisdom, man. It would have been wise of Saul to make amends with King David and, and, and his allies, the Philistines. It would have been wise of, of Saul to evaluate himself and see his wrong. It would have been wise of Saul to repent and humble himself before the Lord. But no, he goes somewhere else. Today, maybe you're looking for God's voice. Maybe you're looking for God's provision. Maybe you're looking for God's blessing, God's direction. But what if you've forgotten one thing to look for God's wisdom in your life? James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. Maybe you're desperate today, but you don't have to be foolish. Maybe you're desperate today, but you don't have to run to other sources that would displease God. Wisdom is here this morning, and I want to pray for all of us so that we may receive it. I'm going to ask ask us to stand. Hallelujah. And right there where you're at, church, I'm just going to ask. I'm going to ask if we can just, just be in one voice, united this morning. Right there where you're at, I'm just going to ask to raise your hands. Come on, lift your hands with me, church.
Heavenly Father, some of us today are in need of divine direction. Some of us today, Father, are are needing answers, Lord, for our situations, Father God. And we've looked so many different places, Father. And and we've considered doing things that, that, that maybe you wouldn't have us do, Father God, but because we're desperate, Lord. We're tempted. I pray this morning, Father God, that you give every single one of your children, Lord, wisdom. Wisdom to go out this week, Father God, and get through their hard times. Wisdom, Father God, to manage the areas of their life, my God, that, that, that might seem mismanaged, my God, that might seem a little messed up right now, my God, because of, of circumstances, Father God, that, that come into our lives. I pray that you give us wisdom to navigate, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, Lord. We're trusting in you, Father God. We're trusting in you, Father God. Because when you don't have the answer to something, Lord, all all we have left is our trust and our faith in you, my God, that you are going to come through, Lord. We are holding on to that hope this morning. And we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at primeraiglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.